0: So today we're, we're finishing up uh, talking about Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We finished the book, but we just wanted to have a, a week where we let it sink in. How many of y'all know this needs to sink in for a long time? It needs to sink in for a long time. But there's a question that every person in this room should be asking. You want to know what that question is? Oh, it's already up on the board. Here's the question, are you desperate for God or just kind of interested? Are you desperate or are you just, yeah, that's interesting stuff. When when God is everything in your life, you build your life around knowing him. That's what Emotionally Healthy Spirituality has been all about. How is it that we can build our life around knowing God? God loving God and allowing his life to flow through us that is what it's about but many times if we're honest our lives reflect more that we're a little bit interested in God I like him he's important but we're not really desperate Uh, I mean you know God is good all the time all the time God is good um But, you know, my life is busy. It's hectic. Sometimes I just need to chill. You know, I'm not trying to do all of that. It doesn't take all of that to really be a Christian. Let's not go overboard here. I don't want to strain a spiritual hammy by trying to run too fast after God. So, you know, let's chill a little bit. So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between being interested in something and desperate before we get to the scripture. So real quickly, I have first example here. The cat is interested in the mouse, but the mouse is desperate to get away from the cat. Amen? So so, so the cat, you can put up the picture. The cat, that's Tom and Jerry, but the cat is interested because he wants to play with the mouse. He might even, if it's a house cat, and I'm talking about a house cat here, he might even... He might eat the cat, the mouse, he might kill the mouse, but really he got a bowl of food over there already. So he's good. Like he's interested in the mouse. This is fun. Let me chase him around, maybe throw him up in the air. Uh, but the mouse, it's a whole different story. I know that's, that's Tom and Jerry. That's not Mickey or Minnie up there. But if that's Mickey running from the mouse, Minnie, Mickey is thinking this, if I don't get away, I'm never going to see Minnie again. Those Mouseketeers that we have back home, I'll never see him again. The, the, the mouse is desperate to get away from the cat, but the cat is just interested in playing with the mouse. Second example, real quick, um, if I was in the ring fighting against The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, y'all know The Rock. Um, now, Dwayne, he might be a little bit interested in what my next move is because he may hear I have skills. So so the rock is like, uh uh-oh, what's Larry up to? But let's face it, he's not really scared, right? He's like, okay, I am the rock. I got this. But I am desperate to get away from the rock. You can put that picture up real quick. I'm desperate to get away from the rock. Because I know he can break me into into little pieces, and I'm going to be in trouble for a long time. Listen, in part, as we talk about desperation, it can sound like, It's just based on fear, and I get that, but it's more than just being afraid. Desperation is fueled by an accurate knowledge of the unalterable consequence that will follow if something I want to happen does not happen. So desperation is based on a realistic view of consequences based on how God has designed the world desperation is based on knowing that if i don't do a certain thing there is a consequence that will follow now this doesn't just have to be negative it can be positive as well got a row row of young people up here who are in high school and, and middle school and if you think of that if you are about to take a big test an important test at your school the, the degree to which You say, I've got to study for this thing. I've got to do my homework. I've got to get in the books. I've got to work on this. You know that the outcome of doing that can produce a good result. But if you just neglect it, you know that you're in trouble with that. Uh, Desperation says this is something that absolutely has to happen. So as we look at emotionally healthy spirituality, it's, nice to think about, maybe trying to do a little something for God, but many times we don't really want to stretch ourselves out and upset and change our lives. I think God is calling us to change our lives. Every one of us, from the pulpit to the pew, every one of us is called to press into God even more that we might know him, and as we said last week, that his life might flow through us. Today, We're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to look at that scripture together. Um, We'll just read a few of the verses. can come up if if you're one of our readers today. Um, We're just going to read a few of the verses, but we'll be looking at a great deal of the chapter. Um, In this chapter, King Jehoshaphat, who was one of the best kings that Judah ever had, he lived his life and he honored God for the most part in his life. He destroyed the high places, the places of false worship. He had a mind to turn the people of God back to the Lord. But in this chapter, towards the end of his life, what happens is that there is a vast and great army of Moabites and Ammonites coming up against him. And so let's stand together as we get ready to read God's word. And we're going to do something a little bit different today in reading his word. We're going to do a responsive reading. I'll read the parts that are not in bold, and then everyone will read what's in bold. These two young people will help us with that, so read right along with them. Let me start out. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeho, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah, in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of his vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them, they will be coming up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. We're getting our pace here. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they sat out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Judah and the people of Jerusalem, have faith in your Lord God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever." And we're all gonna read verses 22 and 23 together. Let's read. As, As they began to sing, to sing and, to pray, and praise the, the Lord, sent ambushes, ambushes against, against the, the men of Ammon, Ammon and, Moab and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and, and annihilate them. them. And After they finished, finished the men from Seir They They help to destroy destroy one one another. another. Let me pray. Father God, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we pray, O God, that you would open our ears and stir our hearts, even today, for the glory of your great name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The main idea that I want to look at today is simply this. The Christian life is marked, consistently marked, by a desperate turning to God. Folks, if you think, well, I've been there, I've done that, I've got it, it doesn't stop, amen? It doesn't stop. Our life is continues to have new challenges, new issues, new struggles, and we need to continue consistently in a desperate way to turn to the only one who can change things, that is the living God. And so the question that we're gonna consider today is simply this if that's true then what does it look like what does it look like to be desperate for god we look at several different things that that actually looks like first of all uh, being desperate for god looks like running to god jehoshaphat and the people of judah are scared you would be too there's an army a vast army much, much larger than any army of God's people in Israel and in Judah and in Jerusalem. There is a vast army that is coming against them. And what they know is if they are not stopped, that they will destroy everything. We've been in God's land by the hand of the good God who made a way for us. And yet now they are coming against us. They will destroy our homes. They will destroy our city. They may destroy the very temple of God. They will take away our children. They will slaughter many of us, will die in this. They are scared, and there is good reason to be scared. You would be too. Listen, I wonder if anybody in this room has ever felt in your own life, if you felt absolutely overwhelmed. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. I was going to ask people to raise hands in a minute, but you're already raising your hands. You've been absolutely overwhelmed. If you faced something or someone and you know you have no answers for it. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. This is bigger than me. This is more than I'll ever be able to handle. This is where Jehoshaphat is. And if you don't mind, I have to say the name Jehoshaphat a lot today, and it's hard to say, so sometimes I'm just going to say Joshi, okay? Is that okay? King Joshi. Okay, so he's desperate. The, the whole country is in a desperate place, and he knows it. Now, here's the thing for us as believers, the issue is not that we're never in desperate places. The issue, very often for us, is that we don't recognize. When it is desperate, that it actually is desperate. See, there's things that we just live with, and it's cool. There's a sin pattern that you just can't break. No matter how hard you've tried, no matter what you've done. Desperate. There's a desperate need there. There is apathy towards the Word of God. I'll read some maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I read... Once last week, so I'm good for a while. There's apathy apathy towards the Word of God. Desperate. Too often there are issues, problems, addictions, and things in our lives that we handle as things that we're interested in changing, but we're not really desperate at all. We're interested in changing, but we're not desperate. We see here in these verses, Jehoshaphat Is actually desperate. And the first thing that he does is he runs to God. Look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3 says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Stop right there. The first thing he does in running to God is, the Bible says, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. That word there, "resolved" in the NIV, is actually two words in the Hebrew. It is rendered in the ESV with a more literal translation. He set his face to inquire of the Lord. The idea of that phrase or that word resolve or set his face is that he set in motion, he set His face in such a way that he had one thing in mind, and that is, Lord, I will look to you. I'm not going to look to the right. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not looking anywhere else. There is the idea here of total consecration to a, a course of action. He sets his face towards the Lord. The second thing he does in that same verse it says not only did he resolve to inquire of the Lord, it says, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He set his face toward God, but he also pushed his plate aside. Amen? That, that, that's hard sometimes. He, he set his face toward God, but he pushed his plate away. Fasting is a way of declaring through your desperate action that hearing from God and obeying him is more important than getting your basic needs met. Fasting is saying, God, I need to hear from you and these other things. They don't matter for now. I'm setting them aside so that I can hear from the living God. Fasting is a declaration that you willingly suspend your right to enjoy some things in favor of needing to hear from God. Fasting is what desperate people do. Fasting is what desperate people do. When we start the new year, from January 5th, which is the first Sunday of the year, through January 10th, the first Sunday, Friday, we're gonna have a week of fasting to bring in this new year. And in 2020, I'm gonna be encouraging people to fast on a consistent basis as we are seeking what God wants for New Life Church and to see his hand move. We want to see God's hand move. But not only does Joshi, King Joshi, resolve to turn to God. And to fast, but he also offers up a passionate and powerful prayer. It's not on the board, but if you have your Bibles, look, starting in verse 6. This is his prayer. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Listen to what he's saying in these verses. He is saying, God, I know who you are. I know your character. I know how you have revealed yourself. You are the God who's in heaven. You're over all of it, God. You're the God who took our ancestors from Egypt and brought us into this land. You gave us this good land, God. And your power is so great. I see this army, but right now, Lord, I'm not looking at this army, I'm looking to you. And who can withstand you? No one can withstand you. Look at verse seven, he says, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? He says, you promised this land, You drove out the peoples and you gave it to us forever. God, we're believing you that you want us to stay here. Gonna go down to verse 10. He says, But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came out of Egypt. So, They turned away from them. He's saying Israel turned away from them and they did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. He says, Lord, when we were coming into this land, you told us to leave those folks alone. You said, don't mess with them go through their land, ask them to let you through. They went through, but don't mess with them. And he says, now look how they're repaying us. He, 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 is, he is appealing to the justice and righteousness of the eternal God. He's saying, that ain't right, God. You know that's not right. And so he appeals to God. And I love the last part of verse 12. He says, we... Do not know what to do. God, we don't have a clue. But he says, but our eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but I know who to look at. I don't know what to do, but I know who to run to. I have no clue of what I can actually do to make myself safe. But God, I'm looking to you. This is the position of a desperate person. God, I'm looking to you. I'm not getting distracted and going to all kinds of other things that may make me feel good for a little while, that may make me feel secure for a little bit. I can do something that looks good, but it's like building a sandcastle right on the seashore when the high tide comes in. That John is gone. It looks good for a minute, but it cannot withstand what's coming at it. That's what we often do in our lives when we're looking to other things, other people, other strategies, and not looking to the Lord. He is the one who is able. Not only does he start by running to God, but he continues by being attentive to God's voice. That's the second point here today. He continues by being attentive to God's voice. In verse 14, God's spirit comes on a prophet, Jehaziel, and we'll pick up what he says here in verse 15. The prophet is speaking. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Listen to this, for the battle is not yours. But God's. He says, don't be discouraged. This army's great, but the battle is not yours, but God. I hope you know that is good news. I hope that is good news to people who are here right now. If you pay close attention, now what Jehoshaphat is doing, he not only turns his attention to God, turns his face towards God, but now he turns his ear to hear from the living God. He says i need to hear from you i need to hear from you i want you to turn to someone right now this is going to be a long one y'all usually it's a short one this is a longer one i want you to turn to somebody and i want you to say neighbor whatever you're going through please remember this the battle is not yours but god's hallelujah that's good news The battle is not yours, but it is God's. Some of you know this about me. When I got saved, I was, uh, I ended up in this church in Rochester, New York, the same church I met my wife. It was a charismatic church, there was stuff going on there. We had all kinds of prophets great prophets, false prophets, all kinds of prophets. There was stuff going on all over the place. Sometimes people would say, surely the Lord says to you, and then just say something. I'm like, surely he didn't say that to me. I mean, we heard a lot of mess. We heard a lot of stuff that was way off the beaten track. But the interesting thing in that church was where I was also nurtured in my faith. And not only did I see some false, messed up stuff happening, but I also saw some stuff, and so have some of you, that you just can't deny. God was at work. God was at work. I had two pastors there, two older black men that, who were the men who discipled me. And the first books they gave me to learn about God were Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. I said, what in the world is this? This is way too big. It's way too fat. I cannot read that. And, and, and they were men who had reformed faith, but also charismatic leanings. Amen. And, and they knew how to hear from God. They also knew how to discern the, the foolishness from, from what is real. But listen, brothers and sisters, if, if we are going to be desperate for God, you need to be desperate to hear a word from the living God. Let, let, let me just talk for a minute about what that doesn't look like and what that does look like. Next slide, we can look at that. Desperation for God or to hear from god is not going to every prophetic conference you can find it's not oh i heard there's a prophet over here there's a prophet over there let me run i need to get a word from the prophet and and in in this church you might think that's strange but in a lot of places that's exactly what people do i need to hear a word from a prophet other people look to find a reliable prophet that I can submit my life to. Now we would think that's weird here, but sometimes we can do that here without calling it a reliable prophet. We can call that a pastor. We can call that uh, we can call that uh, an elder or an associate or or someone who, who's in ministry leading capacity, and we we take their words almost as if it's dripping off the tongue of God. Listen, if I'm counseling with you, I hope that I can be of help to you but don't turn off your discernment mechanisms, amen? Because every word that comes out of my mouth when I'm counseling a person is not dripping out the word of God. It's just not. I miss it sometimes. I mess up sometimes. But so desperation in hearing the voice of God is not just looking for that person who takes the place of God, but it's looking to God himself. How do we do that? We do that this way. Hit the next piece reading and studying the Word of God. People, we are blessed, beyond blessed in this country, not only to have the right to read the Word of God wherever we are, but most of you have more Bibles than you know what to do with. I mean, you've got the King James Version, the New King James Version, the ESV, the NIV, the the all kind of Vs. You've got all kind of stuff going on. But reading and studying the Word of God, because we have the ability to do that here, and what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Word of God is this, the 66 books that God has inscribed into the Scripture, there are 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. They are the holy, inerrant, eternal, and perfect Word of the living God. And if we have the ability to take that word in and we don't do it, we are in trouble. Secondly, not only do we read and study it, but we meditate on that word. Some of us need to be about, let me just memorize a little bit of scripture. It's not not the perfect band-aid. If I memorize this scripture, I'll no longer have a problem. If I'm memorizing Romans chapter Uh, 12 verses 1 and 2 now i'll never have an issue in my worship anymore no you gotta fight through that stuff but you can fight with the weapons of the warfare that god has given you through his word so meditating on his word letting it sink in letting it soak in letting it so fill your mind and heart that you are breathing it you are speaking it and then you are living it out even more consistently the last thing is here as well seeking to hear his voice to apply god's word in specific life situations the bible made it real clear for me as i was looking at marriage that there were a whole lot of people that were out of bounds for me there were a lot of folks if you didn't if you weren't a Christian. The, the, the word of God makes it clear that I should not, as a Christian, marry a person that's not a Christian. That made it real clear. And, and I wanted a person who really loved the Lord, excited about God, not just a person who said, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord uh, 33 years ago. Not walk, not doing anything that looks like the fruit of the spirit. But so I'm a Christian. OK, you qualify. No. I wanted to walk with someone that we could walk together and know God. And the Bible laid that out for me. But the Bible didn't tell me who that was. It didn't say it's a little African-American girl from Tallahassee. It sure enough didn't say that. And my life history didn't say that either. But, But as I sought the Lord, the Lord made it clear to me that this young woman right over here, that's the one. That's the one. We should be looking to hear his voice, to apply God's word in our lives. Many of you know that in the Middle East, there is actually a revival happening where thousands and thousands of Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I just, uh, there's a a missionary that uh, sends me her letters and sends me different things and Just the stories I'm hearing of those who, at the risk of their life, are giving their lives to Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost, it's amazing. But in thousands and thousands of those instances, what is happening is they're coming to Christ after they see Jesus in a dream or in a vision. Listen, God is at work. God is speaking to his people. And there's no culture, there's no curtain, and there's no law that can keep God from revealing himself to whom he will. And God is at work. Do you want to know him like that? Look at verses 16 and 17 here. Verses 16 and 17. Here is the specific instruction that the prophet says he says first of all tomorrow march down against them that's one look at the commands here tomorrow march down that's one against them they'll be climbing up the pass of ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of jeruel you will not have to fight this battle take up number two take up your positions stand firm number three and see the deliverance that the lord will give you judah and jerusalem number five do not be afraid or be discouraged number six go out and face them tomorrow he is telling the people to do all of these things when the word of god comes he's giving specific instructions for them he's commanding them to do something that he is calling them to do listen For you and I here today, do you have any idea what God is calling you to do at this time in your life? Or are you just doing the next thing? Are you just saying, okay, now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. Are you seeking God's voice to know, God, what are you calling me to do now? You may have done great things for God in the past, but God has something for you now. God has something for you in the future. We need to Look to God to speak to us and give us direction in life. We set our ears to hear from God. And look at verse 18. He says, early in the morning. Nope, verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people in Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Listen, brothers and sisters, when you hear The voice of god when you hear from god when you know god is speaking to you through his word and god is giving you direction through his word or any other means that he wishes to do that that is a time of worship you cannot truly hear from god and not be moved to worship him put up the next slide if your life is devoid of a deep experience of worship also likely devoid of true encounters with god you're a person that doesn't know what it is now everybody's different emotionally we're wired different ways i'm not saying that your worship needs to look like my worship but there needs to be a deep experience of the reality that god has spoken and it's a reverent experience it's a humbling experience it's an experience of bowing down the very word often used in the New Testament, "proskuneo," is the Greek word for worship. Often in the New Testament, it means to bow down, to get low before God. We worship and we get low before God. This brings me to the final point of today. What does it look like to be desperate for God? It looks like running to God. It looks like being attentive to God's voice. But thirdly, it also looks like a life Focused on obedience. I'm going to get right back into the text, but let me just say this before I get into the text. The Bible not obeyed is the Bible not believed. The Bible not obeyed is the Bible not believed. Now, y'all should know better, but I have to say this anyway. I'm not talking about perfect obedience. You never miss the mark. You never mess up. Because if I was talking about that, we wouldn't need to hear about the birth of Jesus. We wouldn't need to know that he suffered and died on the cross for our sins. We need the blood of Christ because we mess up, because we sin, because of our ways have gone the wrong way. But think about this, y'all. If the truth of what the scripture says is, If what the scripture says is true, doesn't it make sense that one who is born again, given new life by the living God, would want to obey that God? Doesn't it make sense when Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 36, that I'll take out your stony heart? That heart that didn't care what God said, that heart that made excuses, that heart that wanted to do its own thing. He said, I'll take out that heart and I'll give you a new heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that wants to do what God wants. Doesn't it make sense that if that is the case, that a Christian is a person who is moved to do and to obey God's word? That's what a Christian is That's a major part of what it means to be a Christian. Let's look at verses 20 and 21. The scripture says early in the morning. I'm going to stop right there. See, they heard the word of God. And now the scripture says early in the morning. Early in the morning they left for the desert. See, when God says and God speaks a clear word, the, the, the right way to hear that word, to obey that word is not, you know what? I know God said for us to go out to the desert, but I'm going to wait until after my show is over. I, I, I got some chores I have to do around the house. When you hear the word of God, when your life is given to focused obedience, you're not waiting around for something else to happening. You're saying, God, I need to do this now. Now is the time. This is the hour. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and they set out. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful interesting statement there and it's in this part of the biblical record but one thing i would like to suggest from that is he's saying first of all when he says have faith in the lord your god he's saying remember you know who god is you know what he's done in the past you know what his word says we've been over this before judah and jerusalem you know who he is believe in that have faith in the lord your god and you will be upheld But then he also says, have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. What is he saying? God has just spoken to you now a clear word. You've got to do that word to be successful. We don't just lean on academic knowledge of what we know. But when God has made it clear, we need to act on that. Acting on that clear word of God is where your success is. Then he says in verse 21, After consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And look at this. And they went out where? At the head of the army. They went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. He heard from God. He ran to God. He inclined his ear to God, and then he said, I am going to obey what God says. And in that obedience, think about this. There is an army like no other army coming after them. It way outnumbers them. They have they have weapons, and they have shields, and they have uh, weaponry that, that Israel doesn't have. They're coming after them, and God says, I want you to put a group of men out front who don't have a shield, they don't have a sword, they don't have a spear, they don't have a weapon. All they've got is the weapon of praise. And I want you to send them up front and they will say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That is who is in the front. That's where the battle is won. Remember who he is. His love endures forever. That means it endures right now. It endures in my situation. It endures at this time. God, you have not forgotten me. God, you will not forget me. He is the great and mighty God. And so we see what happens in the, Remaining verses here, verse 22 through 25, God destroys those other armies. And Jehoshaphat and Judah and Jerusalem carry away all the plunder from those armies. And look at verse 26. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka. Baraka means praise. I don't know if it was the valley of Baraka before, but it sure was after this happened. This vast army destroys itself, and without raising a weapon, without having any military might or cunning or strategy, but simply by obeying the voice of the Lord and leading with praise, the army is destroyed, and so now this valley where they get the plunder is called the Valley of Praise, where they praise the Lord. This is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Brothers and sisters, as I conclude today, how did Jehoshaphat succeed? How did he succeed? Three words. He was desperate. How in the world are you going to succeed in your life as a believer in Jesus? You gotta be desperate. Desperate for more of him. Desperate to overcome everything in your life that you know he's calling you to overcome. Desperate for the glory of God to be manifested in you and through you. My question to all of us today is this. Are you living like a person desperate for God? Do you know that only a sovereign move of the all-powerful, omnipotent God of the universe can make a difference in your life? You need Him desperately. Listen, brothers and sisters, without this knowledge, without this desire, this desperation to know God, emotionally healthy spirituality was an eight-week vacation to hear some great stuff about what God is doing in some other people to grow close to God. But if you're desperate for him, what we've been learning over these last couple months is an oasis in the middle of the Sahara Desert. It's a place where we can drink from emotional health and contemplative spirituality to live a life more empowered by God than you ever dreamed possible. It's a place where you learn to pay attention to the cracks and the crevices in your soul and to break through all the clutter and distraction of this world to hear the voice of God. I pray that there's a lot of people here today that are growing in their desperation for God. Are you convinced today that if God does not move in your life, and if you don't hear him more clearly, that you will miss out on his richest blessings for you and his richest blessings through you to others? I'd like you to do something for me for just a moment. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I just want you to consider, is there a growing desperation, an understanding that without God, without pressing into him even more, I'm gonna miss out all these other things that seem so important really aren't nearly as important as they seem i want you to say today to let me know today that you are in a place if this is you where you're saying lord i'm desperate for you today i'm desperate for you today if that's you i just want you to raise your hand real quick and put it back down I'm desperate for you today, Lord. You can open your eyes. Here's the thing about desperation. Desperation for God is not just a temporal, temporary emotional state, but it's a commitment to staying in that needy place that can only be satisfied by him can easily lose desperation for God by being blessed by and distracted by the created things instead of the creator himself. So today we're going to worship the Lord one last time. And If anyone wants to come up after, while they're singing or after they're singing, and just Declare, Lord, I'm desperate for you. Help me to grow in you. Or if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to come up. If some of our prayer warriors can come up right now, I'd like you to come up. We're going to worship the Lord. But if that's you today and you want to say, God, I am desperate for you, come up and pray with somebody. Or if you're saying, Lord, I need to know you. as Lord of my life. I just invite you to come up.